Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Mission 300 podcast. My name is Jason here with Brian, Tommy, and Caleb, and David, as always. Well, not always. Sometimes one of us is asleep during this hour. But we got the big five here, and we want to continue a discussion that we've been having on stories that a lot of us have maybe heard from the Bible or from history. We've heard parts of these stories, and we've gotten some bullet point takeaways from them, either in history class or Sunday school. But there are certain aspects that we a lot of people haven't really dived into or seen or noticed really crucial elements of these stories that not only help them relate to where where we are at today or who we are today and what we're going through today, but really put the context of what these people were going through in a different light. So what we want to do is read the story of Jacob wrestling with God in Genesis 32. And I'm going to throw it to Caleb for him to read this, but as he's going through this passage here. I want you guys to listen to it from a new perspective and see if there's something that stands out to you almost like a, huh, I wonder why this is in that story, or I wonder why it happened this way. So Caleb, with your beautiful, deep voice, take it away. Okay. This is Genesis 32, 24 through 28. Then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of J Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. So what is that thing that when, when you read that, um, how many times have we heard this story, maybe in Bible school or Sunday school or just in a church service? When you're reading that fresh, like you just hear it, what stands out to you in that, just that clip? Because we're going to have to go and do a little bit of background to this story as we go. But there's so much that when I just read that, and as you're just reading it, there's some very interesting thoughts that um, take place. I'm kind of interested of what is standing out to you guys right now, just fresh reading that. One thing that's always been odd to me, and now as I look at it, it seems kind of random. Because you read a little bit before, you know, there's stuff going on. Um, got up at night, um, took servants and wives and crossed over this ford, sent them over, sent over what he had, and he's by himself. And then somebody, some dude or some being shows up and they start wrestling. There's no lead up. There's no context of like, this is why they're wrestling or here's what's going on. It's just, yep, they're doing some stuff and there's this other guy here and they start fighting. Like, okay, like why and what's going on? It just seems kind of random. And then the fact that Jacob forces this guy to bless him. Right. Couple thing that's interesting is Hosea actually quotes this whole passage and rereads it. And in Hosea it says an angel wrestled with him. So that word man or angel obviously is is a being that to him it looks like a man, but it's of an angelic kind. Um couple thoughts I would throw out at you on this is first of all, um he wouldn't let go. The 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 angel or the messenger of God or the man, or Jesus, I, whoever this person from God is, 
he won't let go of them. And it says that daybreak is coming. You have to let me go. And he said, I'm not going to let you go. I mean, just ponder that. Imagine if an angelic being or God came and you were so passionate and understood what would happen if they blessed you. Because Jacob understands the importance of a blessing. And, and a blessing isn't just like saying over your meal, God bless this food. A blessing is a proclamation that has that brings meaning to the person it's declared over. So when he wanted his father to bless him, if you guys remember earlier in the story, um, it was his mother that told Jacob, go and put fur on your hands so you look like your brother Esau and bring him this food and your father can't see. And so he'll he'll bless you. And he wanted that blessing of the firstborn. But he goes, I don't want to make my my make him mad that he curses me. And his mom says, I'll take any of the punishment that he does, but you need to go do this. And he goes and does it. And God bless and he gets blessed as the uh you'll be fruitful, you'll have the nations come through you. And it's just this amazing blessing over his life. Jacob, for some reason, he he understood, I need these words from the Father. I need these words to establish my identity. I need these words spoken over me because it will determine the course of my life. And without these words, I, I won't have it. I'm not sure who started the wrestling match because I just think it's interesting. It says, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. So I don't know if Jacob saw him and just went and grabbed hold of him. And said, I'm not letting you go till you bless me, you know, or I, I, I don't know how they got into this. I don't know where that, when the bell dung and the match began, but this had been going on till daybreak. And I thought it was kind of interesting when it comes to, uh, fighting of all the arts. And this is coming from a book of fighters mind written by Sam Sheridan. Uh, they interview one of the top wrestlers in the United States and, later on Olympic wrestler winner, uh, one of the top college uh, wrestling coaches, that of all the martial arts, wrestling is the most physically demanding of all of them because you have a long seven, I believe it's a seven minute round and the tension never releases. Like there's no break from it to kind of regroup and come back in. And so I just find it interesting how long and the endurance level to wrestle with something that isn't of our natural origin. <laughs> it's coming from a spiritual place. And you're wrestling with this being until daybreak. So who knows how long this is taking place? I mean, it could have been short in the morning. It could have been an hour. It could have been. But if seven minutes is physically demanding, how how much was Jacob willing to risk it all to not let go? I think that's really just the determination of Jacob says something in that. I think he, it, it definitely shows his determination and how almost obsessive he is in these moments. So he, he went through quite an extensive deception to get the blessing from his brother that you described before. And this is a really intense moment too, especially because... And at one point, the fight's over, and one guy wants to leave. Jacob, the one who's injured, is the one who says, no, we're not done. You're going to bless me. You're going to give me something. I'm getting something out of this. And I wonder if that's – part of me wonders if he even knew he was fighting 
an angelic spiritual being or if he thought it was just a man at the time and he's like hey you started this you came over here so i'm getting something out of this fight i don't know i I, because it doesn't really say that there's not really an indication that i see that he knew oh i'm fighting an angel right now i mean maybe he did or maybe he just thought it was a man at first and then afterwards as they go on and the the angel says uh you struggle with god and with men and have prevailed now he realizes okay something else is going on here but if he did know that it wasn't just a man then i mean geez what more does that say about his determination he's like i know i can't beat this thing but i'm definitely not going to lose to it either you know i kind of wonder if it was almost a test because it's hard to believe that an angel like, physically wouldn't be able to beat, I mean, Jacob. I mean, like, right. they set angels to protect the Garden of Eden, you know? they. I mean, there's no doubt that an angel could beat a human in a fight, right? And I just kind of wonder if it was almost more of a test to see, like, that he was willing to fight for the blessing, you know, like, he kind of took it by trickery and stuff, and it's like, like you kind of get where I'm going with this, where it's like, I wonder if God was testing him, seeing like, how far will he fight for birthright? You can't get it by trickery or anything. Let me comment on both those ideas. First of all, I don't, Jason, good point. We don't know if he knew it was a man or if it was an angel, because a lot of times they would appear the same. But they recognized an authority because they many times, almost every time an angel show up, they knew there was something of significant authority with that. It didn't mean they showed up with angels' wings and a glowing or anything like that. But they knew something. Like when Gideon met the angel, it seemed like he saw him more as a man, but he understood his authority. When uh, Samson's mother met the angel... She knew he was a man of authority, but it wasn't like it was super clear that it was an angel, but they knew it was like a, someone from God that was strong. So I would say he knew there was a significance of power with this person, but what he, I don't know if he knew what he was, but he probably appeared like a man, but I don't think that takes away anything from the story, whether he knew or he didn't because of his his knowing he wanted something from him what when you're saying like that god was testing him like can you kind of get be more elaborate what how he would go about that process or what are you seeing in that process where it seems more like a test i mean okay my reasoning for why god would test him is probably completely off and more 100 just theory but it just looks to me that the only way an angel would be able to or stick with him that long would be if it was a test. I feel like an angel at its full potential could win. That's just. Well, that seems odd though to me because he said, you need to let me go, but maybe the angel wasn't there to. Maybe the wrestle wasn't so much that the angel came down and they squared up in the ring and they, they started the match and you have an, a, a referee, maybe the wrestle is somehow in conversation or somehow in recognizing Jacob sees the moment and grabbed a hold of him. 
And it's almost like he's pushing him off and Jacob will not let go. And, and the man says, it's daybreak. I have to go. And so he had to do something to break Jacob. So he went for the hips. Well, and so as I'm thinking about this more, one, I, my kind of random question is why would it matter that it's daybreak? So like, why is that significant? You got to let me go. It's, it's morning now. Like it's dawn now you have to let me go. And like, why? Like, is there, was there an ancient rule or law of the land that says, Hey, you guys can fight each other or random strangers in the night. But when the sun comes up, then all fighting has to stop. Like, I don't, I don't understand the significance of that. But when you look, when I'm looking at the, the fight and I look at Jacob's situation at the time, it's kind of an intense moment because he's sending all these gifts and people ahead of him as a present for Esau, his brother. And he's trying to butter him up essentially with all this, all this stuff and things. And then he's going to come in later to kind of make amends with his brother. And hopefully, you know, that meeting will go well. So he's sending all these things ahead of him and then he's left by himself. So then what happens if he doesn't show up? Like, what does that look like to his name? So what it kind of seems like is he has this whole plan and sends all these things to make this meeting with his brother successful or promising or beneficial of some, in some way. And then after everyone else and everything else is gone, some guy or some being shows up and starts fighting him or starts preventing him from following and going on. And so it's almost like the fight is there to prevent him from carrying out or finishing this mission or this, this thing he's trying to do with his brother. And so it's getting in the way of that. And so he starts this fight, this wrestling, and it's almost a stalemate. His hip goes out of joint at some point. I'm just looking at it from his perspective. This guy's there fighting, trying to keep me from what I'm trying to do. And his hip goes out of socket and he's just, he digs his teeth in and says, not letting you go. I don't care if the sun's up now, you're going to do something for me. So I, my point with all that is it seems like a very interesting, intense moment for Jacob because you think of all the history he had with Esau and all the bad blood there, and now there's this moment where things are trying to be, or an amend is trying to be made, and then this thing comes or this person comes to fight you and prevent you from doing that. Because I don't know if it was just a wrestling match like, hey, buddy, I'm a stranger. Do you want to have a friendly wrestling match until the dawn? Or if it's a situation where this guy shows up and he's, you know, I'm about to take your life. And so they fight and they wrestle. It seems to be more intense like that. Because then you're fighting for your life, your reputation, your your wives, your possessions, your relationship with your brother. Then you're fighting for a lot more than just there's just some random guy here wrestling me and he's kind of annoying. Do you guys think there's anything to that or am I just off on my own planet here? I do think there's something more. How we're analyzing this passage, we have not even looked at any backstory yet to get us to this point. And we kind of did this on purpose. I think this is good for the listener too. Is like when you're looking at something and you're like, you're kind of going through this one passage, it is important sometimes to step away and, and, and say, God, show me some backstory to this of how we got here. How did we get to this point? Not just the Russell. How did we get to this point in the story? Because I think that's when the significance comes in. 
And I think it might trigger another thought regarding it. But before we go there, I kind of want to hear from Caleb. What What is your thoughts of what we've talked about so far of this Jacob who gets the honor and the trophy of prevailing against man and God and won and prevailed? So he wrestled against man and God and prevailed. That's pretty, that's a pretty huge trophy to stick on, on the uh, shelf. A lot of backstory would definitely help us read into this more and everything. And while I was just reading through some of the passages, I noticed was just looking at different details. And what stuck out to me was that um, like when he wasn't prevailing against him, it just randomly says he touched the socket of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint. And I was just like, kind of, I don't know. It seems a little strange that he would touch his hip and not like, why didn't he just like, if he had the power to simply touch his hip and put his hip out of socket, then why didn't he just in that moment throw him off completely? Like if he can do that, he could probably grab him by the shoulder and toss him to the side. So that seems like an interesting detail. I don't know if any of you guys have any thoughts on that, um, but it seemed a little, a little interesting. I think we have to remember in Hebrews, it says that the angels were sent to be ministering spirits for the heirs of salvation. That angel was there for the sake of Jacob. So he's not there to hurt him. It's almost like he didn't want, he wasn't trying to break Jacob. And so uh, it was very interesting. He went to the hip, but I kind of wanted to throw that out that he's not, I guess, technically, if you could just touch a hip, you could pretty much completely overpower Jacob. But there was something in Jacob that was going on that the there was a, a little bit of a yielding to the power of Jacob. Anyway, just a thought on that. And to add on to that, I mean, I have experience in jujitsu and um, there's different techniques and all different kinds of stuff. But in regards to the hip, your hips are super important in jujitsu and making sure that you um, and even in wrestling, I mean, you, you use your hips a lot. And I think there's a lot of significance in that. It shows the power of this man he's wrestling. If he's he touched his hip and his hip comes out of socket, like that is that is a huge power. And with when you're when you're in jujitsu, when you wrap around your opponent, you you're using your hips and you and you actually have a lot of strength when you have your hips. And to not have those, not have a hip, is really dangerous in in a fighting situation and i think i think it's cool testament to jacob that he continued to fight despite that but i also think about like what are your you know what are your hips used for like obviously using fighting but also like walking my uh my now father-in-law last year he had a hip replacement and i remember before he just kept going like, ah, I'll just go, I'll just go, I'll just go. And then it got to be bone on bone. And I remember how much pain he was in and how he could barely walk. So I can't imagine your hip coming out of socket in a fight and then being in a society where walking is how you get around. I think it, it shows a lot of power and on both sides. It's a very interesting part of the story. Well, yeah, that's a good point. Even just for the the historical time there, like if you your shoulder pops off or your arm breaks, 
you can still walk to where you need to go, especially in, in his circumstance there. But if your hips out of joint, you're, what are you going to do? You're going to like roll your way across the river and see your brother. Like that's not happening. You're done. The idea that it was more of a test than an actual fight by the angel. I mean, the angel can pretty much dislocate his hip by touching it, you know. The, I, I think the angel really did have power to just completely overpower Jacob if the angel really wanted to. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Some Something is going on here that in Jacob's mind, he's viewing this scenario one way, and then there's something else going on in God's mind in this messenger interacting with Jacob, and I think I think that has to be disclosed. And I, I do I do think it's interesting. If you look at the timeline of Jacob, when he first begins his journey, he was going in the name, he was going in his father's name, and he mentioned that he feared his father and that his father's God. It wasn't Jacob's God at that point in the early time. As Jacob progresses, he goes and he has... He, um, Right before he goes and finds Rachel and he, he begins doing this whole, he gets deceived and has to go through this whole mess of uh, serving Laban and to get for seven years in order to get his daughter. So he does it and then Laban gives him the older daughter instead of the daughter that he loved. So he got stuck with Leah who he didn't love. And so he served another seven years to get Rachel and... Then he finally gets Rachel, and then his father. It says ten times Laban kept tricking him. So now, so D Jacob goes from being blessed to now stepping out to go find his wife. He's now deceived ten times, but in the journey just before he goes to go find his wife, he goes to sleep and he saw this staircase open up and the angels ascending and descending on man. And I think that's very profound because it was in that moment he went from trusting his father who had and but he didn't believe in his father's God. So Jacob in chapter 28, verse 20, he recognizes in this place Bethel that God was there after he saw had that dream. So he makes a vow. If God will be with me. And keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back. Keep this in mind. So this is bef this is years before this wrestling event. So that I come back to my father's house in peace. Because remember, he had to go to a different land to get his wife. Then the Lord shall be my God. Up until this point, the Lord is not his God. You guys catch that? Then he's kept, and now he meets this man. And I think it became this whole journey with Jacob. It almost appears, I don't really believe in God. That's my father's God. To I experience something, but if you'll be with me, then you'll be my God. Then he comes to this place that you are my God. And that happens right about the time that he, after he wrestles with God and is blessed by him. 
So there's this journey of three parts. One, he's learning to build this relationship with God. So this whole journey is this building of this relationship with God. Because, right, the Jews says the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that becomes the, the pillars of the God that we believe in. So the, so God is working in his life to get him to this place, and he finally wrestles. And the other part is he goes from living a false self of a deceiver, because that's what Jacob means, the deceiver, trickster. He goes from listening to kind of, in a way, his mom's way of getting this stuff done, and he manipulates and tricks to get all the blessing and the heritage. He knows how valuable it is. But he, he hasn't done it from his real identity. So he's doing it as Jacob, the deceiver, the trickster, to the point where he has to face himself. And I personally, from an aspect, think that in that wrestling, he was coming to grips with himself in that moment, because this isn't the first time he met God in a dream or a, alone. I I believe that when he saw the angel, he wasn't going to let him go till he received the blessing that he ultimately desired from God. This time, not the blessing he desired from man, but the blessing he desired from God. He he wrestled with man to get the blessing, the man's blessing. Now he's wrestling with God to get his blessing. And his name is changed and something shifts from his old false self to the true self that he always was. Israel. And so I I see that picture from that point. And I think that's part of that Russell and that holding on is I'm not going to be what I used to be. I need the blessing from you, God, not man in this moment. And I, I see that taking place, not to take away that all those other factors are probably not part of it from pieces and different elements. But when you look at kind of a bigger scope, I'm, I'm seeing that picture. Well, that's what I think is so powerful about a broader view of this because and we tend to look at people today in the in the same wrong light you see one event and one circumstance and you have a lot of assumptions on what's going on there what's right and what's wrong but when you know the context of someone's life and their story and that journey it makes so much more sense and you start to see things open up that are kind of like oh i see why that's happening I'm thinking here as you were you were sharing there, Brian, about the the name change and going from wrestling with men to wrestling with God to get the blessing and then having his name change, right? And in his in change of identity, right? That's that's what you're saying? Correct. So do you think then in in uh in a Christian walk that we in some respect have to have that same? battle or wrestle with God for a blessing or how does it, how does this apply to today? It depends on how you want to interpret how he was wrestling. If he was wrestling because the man got in his way, that would be one direction. We'd have to look at things a little differently. If he's wrestling because he sees something that the, that this man has with an authority that comes from God that could change his life, and I'm not letting go. That's a different kind of wrestle. 
So the first thing you kind of have to establish is what is the wrestle that he's doing? So let's say it's the first one that this person's in the way. Well, now in a way, we're kind of looking at more of like Satan getting in the way of things in our life. And there is a wrestle. There is, there is a tension that takes place when Satan gets involved because we don't wrestle against, right? The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness of this world. So there's a wrestle against what's evil. And then this guy is not evil. So maybe it started out that way and switched, or he just recognized he was from God. And he wrestled in the sense that I'm going to grab a hold of you and I'm not letting go until you bless me. Because I'm, I can't make it any further without that blessing. Because about what he was about ready to face with Esau. So I think that all ties in together. I would, I, I kind of also think that we have to be careful on applying something like this, especially if we're looking at this as a, a change of identity moment, applying that to us as believers in some ongoing sense. Because if you're a believer and you've been born again, you're not in a position of needing to get more things from God or trying to get something from God, trying to get a new name trying to get another blessing. That's not how it works for you as a believer when you've been born again. You've We've been given everything. We've been given a new name. We've been given the Spirit to live with us continually. So there are, I'd say we can extrapolate that to in, in other contexts for what we go through as, as believers, but not in the sense of, man, I just really need another blessing from God, so I got to find some way to wrestle with him now and hang on to him until he gives me a blessing. I don't, I don't think that's proper application for us as believers today. I a hundred percent agree, agree with you, Jason. This isn't about wrestling to get God to bless us when he's already given it to you. That's nonsense. That's like constantly praying God be with us. He already is with us. Like he can't be with you anymore. So thanking him that he's with you is one thing. Asking him to be with us is really kind of in a sense as if he hasn't already done that. In this, in in the case of what you're kind of trying to bring up, Tommy, how do we put that into the New Testament context? In a New Testament context, it's already been given to us. But if you look at Hebrews, there is a place that we have to lay aside things. There is a place that that even Paul said, we work out our, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't mean figure out your salvation or if you work hard enough, you'll get saved. It's more of my true identity now has been given to me. And now I'm dealing with my false self wanting to rise up. That is a wrestle. There is a wrestle between your spirit and your flesh. That's a real wrestle we're not wrestling anymore to get something from God. We're really wrestling now with the tools that have been given to us to execute those things into our lives. And not in a sense of, I got to beg God and work hard at God, and then maybe he'll heal me. Maybe he'll do what he says. That's not what it is. It's more of dealing with your false self, trying to get something done that your true self already has. 
that's a an internal wrestle, a struggle to let one die so you can live from the other. So there is an element, but it's it's not completely the picture here with Caleb or with the picture really with Jacob is how much he understood the value of his identity and how much he knew he didn't understand it without those words spoken to us. I think the picture we could take today, God is give Jesus gave us the identity. He gave us the blessing. He gave us the inheritance and we still don't even recognize it's been given to us. Jacob needed it and he didn't even have what we get today. We have it all and we still we don't even really believe we have it. I think we it's really more of a wake up call. If he was willing to fight that hard to get something and the spirit of God doesn't even live in you, we've been given it and the spirit of God is living in us and we don't even walk and value the blessing, that should be the wake up call in this story. You know, uh, one thing I just kind of want to point out in the verse is it doesn't say when he gets the name change, the definition of the name change is in the ESV version is um, your your na- new name is Israel for you have striven with God. Like the definition of strive is to like make an effort to obtain something, to, to fight at something, to put yourself out there. And you did that with God. You, you've striven with God to get this, right? And I don't know, maybe it's a symbolism, but like in the different change of words or different change of thinking of the same verse, it kind of adds to that point you're making. Tommy, does that help at all? It does. And because that's how I was feeling, how that meant today. Because I was like, I feel like I don't battle with God today over my identity. And... I think it's exactly like what you were saying is that at some point in your walk, you're going to have to battle for that identity. But now you've been giving that identity. Now the battle is fighting to actually live that identity out. We can go back and forth, like even to, to strive. Paul talks about it as an athlete, we need to strive to obtain, right? Not to obtain what already has been given to us, but to obtain what's been set before us with what's already been given to us. Does that make more sense on the word strive? So it doesn't mean you're doing works to get God to do something. God's already done it. Now we're working what's already been given to us in that gift. But to say there's not a striving forward or a pushing forward or running a race or being a hardworking farmer or, or to press forward and learn to endure, to persevere, the need of patience. You think of all the fruits of the Spirit, my goodness, they all are to deal with what it feels like when you push yourself to the end, right? And now we have the fruits of the Spirit to calm and comfort. But I don't want people to get into works to get something from God. That's where you could take the story wrong, um, or at least use it for the wrong way when he's already given given it to us. But to your point, like once you realize this free gift has been given by mercy, but it should cause this. Paul says, I, 
I mean, he said, by the grace of God, I labor more than you all, but I'm not laboring, but I labor more than you all. Like I'm not laboring in my flesh to make God happy with me. And I think in a little bit, that's what Jacob did at the beginning. He labored with man to get them something. That was toiling. But once he got it, and he saw God, and he after this rustle, and he got that blessing, it changed things. That was his God now. I mean, we go down in history that the, the God of Jacob, where at the beginning it wasn't even his God. Fast forward into our New Testament life, um, we have some rustles. But it's interesting, now our rustles aren't with people, but there is a spiritual rustle. There is a spiritual dimension, and we talked about this last week, even in the story of Paul and Silas. Think about times when Paul and Silas had to wrestle with their false self wanting to be victims and demanding justice, and then saying, no, I'm listening to my true self or my spirit. I'm in, I, I'm right where I need to be. I'm not a victim. You know what I'm saying? That's the, I think that's, would be more of the Russell now. I'm going to hold on to my true self that God gave to me. I'm not going to hold on to my old self. I think too, something that I was like thinking about while um, we were talking about the wrestling, like if you, you know, there's like, like titles to different passages and stuff. And it says wrestling with God and it doesn't say wrestling against God. And I know like, um, like if you're going to wrestle against a competitor, like your objective is almost to defeat them at the end of, at the end of the wrestle. But I almost wonder if it's more like, like as a kid, you know, like I might go wrestle with my dad. And I think part of me knows like, I'm not going to beat him, but I'll have the determination. Like, even if he tries walking away, I'm grabbing around his ankles and letting him drag me on the ground. Like, I think maybe there's an element there like that, where it wasn't so much that Jacob was like trying to overpower um, this, the thing that he was facing. Like, because I think, um, you know, in life there's things that we need to overpower. Maybe this is more about, like with him wrestling with God, it was like, I'm going to hold on to this until like I come out on the other side as something different. And I think maybe in our lives, like sometimes maybe the lesson that it can be for us today is that like when we're going through situations and that we're not necessarily wrestling against something else, but like internally, it's like, we're going to hold on to that new identity that we were given when we were born again, even though the circumstances and other things are trying to tell us that we're not that. Um, I'm going to share my little aha moment that I just had as you were talking. And I want to go back, if we could, can we go back to the hip idea for a moment? Tommy, you were saying that in jujitsu, um, and I was just reading something about that the other day, that controlling of the hips is really the the key in jujitsu because that's where your power is. Is that correct, Tommy? Yeah, that that's if you can control the hips, you got all the you got all the control in that situation. Which means you have to be in control of your own hips as well. Right. Okay. 
So I want you to ponder something, and this is going to actually come back to your initial question, Tommy. It may, it may fit in. When we think of what Jesus did, after, so by works or by human labor, Jacob got the blessing of man, right? It might have been trickery, it might have been deception, but man, he got it. Then when he meets God and gets the blessing, God touches his hip and his joints dislocated. Well, it's interesting. They have a meal that is part of Jewish culture to remember the hip, and they're not allowed to eat the hip. Think about how powerful that that moment was, that that becomes the memory that they weren't allowed to eat from the animal's hip, that tendon, in honor of Jacob. Right? We read about that. It's, it's the following verses following uh, his hip being dislocated. And we know that if you don't, if your hip's out of joint, you're weaker. Would that be correct, Tommy? Definitely. Definitely way weaker. But now he walks as a, in his identity, not in his strength anymore. And then it's being remembered that his strength was weakened but he was given the name of Israel. So he's given a stronger name with God, but in his natural, it's almost like he's weaker, but he's not. And I think that is a picture of grace where it's no longer your labor that's accomplishing it. It's in your identity, in the gifts that he's giving you. It's in his righteousness. It's in his, uh, in his name that we walk these things out, that we wrestle now. We don't need our natural strength to prevail. We need his identity and strength in order to wrestle and prevail. I think there's a picture there. And I'm, I, I just was, that kind of hit me as you guys were talking about it. And uh, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I think like going to the, why did he touch his hip and not some other part of his body? Because I think like if he had, almost like let's say dislocated his elbow or something like at least with his hip broken he's all like it's a key part that is weaker but it didn't force his grip off completely so i think it's almost like even in like the weakest state that you could be in a fighting sense will you still hold on like not so much that it's impossible like if it was anything to do with like his arms where like if they're gone or like his legs but like the hip which is like what tommy is saying like a key part of fighting like will you still hold on and wrestle even when it's the at the most disadvantage i think that's definitely a, definitely an important element it's kind of interesting like at the very end it wasn't at the beginning of the fight but like very near to the end of the fight um then he does it and Jacob still goes on after that and it's like you ever been like really tired you just you're completely worked to the bone and you just don't want to move anymore and it's like now you get injured and it's just you just want to fall apart <laughs> and just end it right then and there cuz it's like now you're hurting and you're you don't have the energy to continue. And I wonder if it's just like, 
more seeing how far Jacob's willing to go in a way. So if you look at it, that passage in a literal translation or in the King James, which is, you know, however anyone feels about that. But in verse 28, when he's given that new name, um, in, in a lot of translations, most of the modern translations will say, um, your name will be Israel because you strive with God or whatever translation. But in a, in the in the literal translation and the King James, it actually reads, your name will be Israel for as a prince, you have power with God and with men and have prevailed. And it's kind of an interesting study in that Hebrew root word that we translate into you wrestled with God, you strived with God, you, uh, whatever different translations will do. It, it does have roots in that Hebrew verb of someone who has authority under another or is setting things in their proper place or is acting as a commander or a prince. And it kind of just puts a really interesting layer of depth to what's going on there. It's not just, it's not Jacob versus God necessarily, but there is, there's all, almost a, a dynamic of authority that he is stepping into with God, which you, which makes sense considering his history and his future to come. And it kind of, it kind of puts it in a more applicable perspective for some of us, I think, when we look at our position, our name and our authority, it's not versus God. It's that we are in power with him. I don't know. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. Let me add one later on thought because later on Jacob is blind and Joseph brings his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And Jacob was to put his hands on his right hand on the older one and his left hand on the younger one and bless them. And there was a prophecy given to Jacob's mother that the lesser would serve, the older would serve the lesser. And in Jewish culture, the older gets a double blessing and then the rest get the, a normal blessing. But when Jacob was the first one to kind of break the mold. So let's go back to your point of he's stepping into his authority. He's stepping into his power. He's stepping into what he is at that point when he's blessed. When he went to bless him, he switched his hands and crossed his hands and put his left hand on the older one and his right hand on the younger one. And Joseph was troubled that he did that. But Jacob did it on purpose because it changed the course of the blessing that the lesser would get the better blessing, which is interesting because Jesus gave us a better blessing than he got. Just a quick little thought. Mm. But in that picture, he was given the authority to change something because his name was changed and there's this lineage. Well, it's not just a thought what Jesus did. Jesus said, greater works will you go and do than I have. He gives us his spirit. He gives us his name. He gives us his authority. He gives us his inheritance. And he said, you go do greater things. You'll do greater things, which means we got the greater blessing than he had. And that all came from Jacob in that name change in who we became. So I think there's some, some even long-term picture in that. So I think you're dead on 
with that idea that uh, he stepped in with God into a different authority, into a different place, into a different way, that he was the one now doing the blessing, but he did it in the way that he had to manipulate to get to. Now he was just giving it away. And I th- I think that applies even because you, in one sense, you see that at this moment in life, He's almost going back to face the past where he was the deceiver, the trickster. He's willingly stepping into a scenario to face that and to come to terms with it. So he's in a different position now. I guess I'm leaving this conversation with a view of uh, the story of looking at my life and seeing where I've tried to continue a walk in my own strength when I really need God's grace to step in and to not give up that fight, but to let the fight be out of God's grace and not out of my strength and not out of what my man-made identity is, but really out of who God has called me to be. And I'm walking away from this conversation about the story in that I need to let God's grace cover me more than my own strengths. I think, I think that the hip helmet is really key. So I think like, you know, um, for my life, like when my, when my hip gets broken metaphorically, am I going to continue wrestling? Um, and two, he walked away with that limp from his hip being broken. But I don't think in the end he really lost the fight. Like, so I think even if you like it, if you can understand the metaphor, like even if your hip breaks and you walk away with the limp, if you still come out changed from that and don't give up, I think you still won the fight. And it's not, and I don't think it's about winning the fight either. I think you still gained what was meant to come from the wrestle. And I think that in our lives, sometimes like we can be like, or I can definitely be like, oh man, I, I broke my hip that, and just start like, you know, being like, you know, having self pity and forgetting everything that I gained from from wrestling with whatever the situation or however you want to see what you're wrestling with and i think um to have perspective like of course hindsight is 2020 but like to have perspective that even when um even when you break your hip like there's still something more you're gaining from it where i think almost jacob probably would look in his life and not even consider consider the limp mattering in fact the limp would probably remind him of how he was changed so it was almost probably good that he had a limp because in times when maybe he he forgot that wrestling the limp was there to remind him and so i think to have reminders in our own life about how our identity has changed and um in the things we've wrestled with and overcome and um, how God has spoken to us through different things. I think that's super key. Yeah, not only did the limp remind him the rest of life, but um, even Israel, 
remembered his limp for the rest of their life. So I think, too, you could even say, like, what are the things in my life that that I'm going to go through and that God's going to show me that could even affect my children and my grandchildren or the people around me and family. So I think that's super key to have perspective on that. My kind of big thing I saw, which is kind of interesting because you guys all saw it differently. And since I'm kind of in a phase of life where it's just, I guess, me figuring out where I'm going and all this and seeing the path and it's like, I guess I'm more testing myself and I kind of see it in a way of God testing Jacob and seeing where he's at. I guess that relates to me more than anything because that's just where I'm at right now and searching. So I kind of, that's just kind of how I saw it. My final thought is how we can take a story. We could break it down. We can see the truth of it. And we can each walk away with the important thing that we need in our life. And in the future, I'm going to need what Caleb's seeing. And in the future, I'm going to need what Tommy's seeing. And in the future, I'm going to need what David's seeing. But God has a way of pulling something to get you to see what you need for right now. So you could get to the next phase with him. And your guys' view of this is my most insightful thing. I think that's what I'm taking away from this conversation. All right, we're going to wrap it up with that. I just wanted to kind of throw my two cents in there. And um, Obviously, we've a lot of us have heard this story quite a bit and read this story quite a bit. Some of our listeners and some of us on the episode here have even taught on this in churches and studies and things like that. But there's, there's always something really interesting that stands out when we take the time to care about these stories and these heroic figures. And the thing that I'm really seeing here, I don't think he worried too much for the rest of his life about, man, that, that wrestling was pretty tough or yeah, there's, there's kind of some nerve wracking moments there. His name was changed. His identity was completely changed in this moment. And the legacy for, the people of Israel down the line, the legacy of bringing through Messiah, the legacy of the spirit of God and grace and salvation being brought to all of us is so much greater than any of the issues or the trials he faced leading up until this point. And even just in the next chapter, you see him being restored with his brother and things, life just taking on a new direction and a new meaning. And so that's what I hope a lot of us will focus on too is, yeah, things will hit the fan at times, but when you're given a new name and an identity, those things are drastically less intense and important as they might seem in the moment. So we appreciate you guys listening in. And as always, if you have any questions or if something stands out to you from these topics, these stories that maybe we didn't have time to cover here, um, send us a message, questions you guys have, because we love engaging with you guys um, on this stuff too. So we appreciate you all listening in. Until next time, keep the faith and stay in the fight.